Would you be interested in fighting Apollo Creed for the World Heavyweight Championship? No. Listen, Rossi. Apollo's seen you fight. He likes you. He wants to fight you. Hey, now when you walk into the ring for the number one heavyweight of the world, you'll be ready. You're gonna eat lightning and you're gonna crack thunder. You're gonna become a very dangerous poison. Ladies and gentlemen, Yo, listeners! It's now playing's Rocky Retrospective Series. This Balboa thing is interesting. And you want to call it nostalgia, whatever the hell you want, but people can relate to that stuff. Hosted by Arnie. There is no one who can match his strength or his aggressiveness. Brock. You're the man, you're number one. The old people love you, young people love you. You're the man. And Jacob. I must break you. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we go with the distance and review all the Rocky films. What's your prediction for the fight? Hey. But be warned, these podcasts contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Listener discretion is advised. He doesn't know it's a damn show. He thinks it's a damn fight. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Today we're talking about Rocky V, starring Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, Burt Young, Sage Stallone, Burgess Meredith, Tommy Morrison, Tony Burton, Richard Gant, and directed by John G. Avildsen. This is Brock, co-host of Now Play. This is your 90-proof podcaster, Jacob. This is Arnie. Lock the door, hide the kids, it's time to wage war. <laughs> Brock, I had that same reaction when I saw Burgess Meredith. Like, (laughs) question mark? What? Didn't he die a couple movies ago? When I saw this film, and I saw this film maybe four or five times in the theater, I have no idea why. Hey, I saw Star Trek five, six times in theaters. I can't judge. (laughs) But when I saw this, you know, I didn't have the continuity all in mind. Now watching these week after week after week, I'm like, Burgess Meredith, really? So (laughs) I'm interested to see how they're going to bring him back. I was more interested in Sage Stallone. Anytime nepotism occurs on this level, it's usually really bad. I think the absolute worst case is Godfather 3 with Sofia Coppola. Yeah, I think most people would go to that way. (laughs) As with all the first five, this is my first time watching it beginning to end, and I know I'm seeing some things in all of these Rocky films for the first time. And this is the second time only for me, and when it is on TNT or TBS or wherever it is, Spike... I mentioned before on other podcasts, when other Rocky movies are on, I'll I'll watch a few minutes. I never turn this one on because I saw it the one time and back then I didn't really care for it. So I was, of all the movies we're watching in this series, this is the one I was the most curious about because I know it the least. I feel that way about the next one, so I know nothing about the next one. Before we step back into the ring and talking about Rocky, perhaps we should do it plot summary. Are we getting from the point of view of the bell this time or the uh, the guy who catches? The I, I want it from the point of view of George Washington Duke. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went classical on this one. All right. We start off, as we always have with these Rocky films, with a recap of the fight that ended the last movie, Rocky versus Drago in Russia. 
And then we see Rocky post-fight having trouble, shaking uncontrollably, and expressing he wants to return home. He flies home where he's greeted by a press conference and a hero's welcome, but the press conference is interrupted by Don King-esque fight promoter George Washington Duke, who challenges Rocky to fight his boxer, much like Mr. T did in Rocky III, but this time instead of accepting a fight, Adrian gets involved and announces Rocky is retiring. But things are never that easy for Rocky. Returning home, he finds he's flat broke because before going to Russia, Paulie had him sign a form that they thought was a tax extension while he trained. But in fact, he gave Rocky's accountant full power of attorney and the accountant lost all of Rocky's money in a land deal. To keep their lifestyle, Rocky has to fight, but Adrian forces him to see a doctor about the shaking and it's revealed Rocky has brain damage. No boxing commission in the country will approve him to fight. So Rocky, Adrian, Pauly, and Rocky's son, Robert Jr., move back to the old neighborhood in Philly, where Rocky's only asset remains, Mickey's Gym, which for some reason was left to Robert Jr. rather than Rocky. And in the hood, Rocky's approached by wannabe fighter Tommy Gunn, whose parents hate him, who idolized Rocky growing up. Rocky eventually agrees to train Tommy, living vicariously through his protege's fighting, and Rocky feels a bond with Tommy and starts to treat Tommy like a son, much to the anger of Robert Jr., who's having his own problems fitting in at his new Philly school as the son of a washed-up celebrity. Robert feels ignored by Rocky and is trained to defend himself by others working in the gym, but the closer Rocky gets with Tommy, even planning to give Tommy a boxing glove cufflink Rocky Marciano gave to Mickey and Mickey gave to Rocky, Robert starts to rebel and hangs out on the street corner smoking and being sullen and rebellious. Meanwhile, Tommy's starting to rebel as well as the press calls him Rocky's puppet and he feels the need to get out of Rocky's shadow. Tommy wants a championship fight and the wealth that comes with it, and Rocky's been hesitant to set it up, so Tommy signed with George Washington Duke as a promoter. Rocky feels betrayed and is fired as Tommy's manager. Tommy fights the championship fight and wins, but people still think as Tommy is a less than capable fighter and that the fight was against a bum who was only champ because Rocky retired. So Tommy goes to the local bar to challenge Rocky to a fight, but instead of heading into the ring, Rocky says, Ma rings outside, and the two head to the streets for a brawl. No, I can't do a Stallone voice, I'm sorry. It's poor. Rocky wins, cheered on by his family, and the film ends with Rocky going up the steps to the Philadelphia Museum with Robert Jr., spending time with his son and giving him that silver boxing glove cufflink before heading into the museum to have his son teach him about art as credits roll. So it's like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air in reverse. <laughs> so it's like Rocky 2? I think he means because they went to Bel-Air and from West Philadelphia, and now he's going oh, from okay. Bel-Air. Yeah. yeah, it's uh, Philly and fights on the playground. and. <laughs> I do enjoy that they went back to the scrolling Rocky. Always enjoy that. And back to the theme song, the original Rocky theme song. I noticed immediately that the score was different and Bill Conti was back. You know, Bill, we talked a little bit about him in the first podcast, but, you know, I always like his scores. What he did with Karate Kid, what he's done here. And I noticed that they rescored the opening fight to give a Bill Conti score to it versus that kind of techno transformery thing we had last movie. And mm -hmm. is it me or was the fight better with the new music? They also re-edited it, though, because they only showed Drago beating the crap out of Rocky. And Rocky only got a punch off towards the end there, which I think also helped a little bit. True. I think the score is always going to help. I mean, it's a great score. How can it mm -hmm. not help it? Yeah. Very true. I did like the way they did the credits with the showing the fight from the end of four with the credits next to the characters who were returning. I agree. I think it's a strong way to start the movie. I was instantly also brought back into a Rocky movie, whereas last time it seemed like a kind of a different kind of feel to the entire process. Here, I felt like I was diving back into the story of Rocky from this beginning. 
Well, you have to think that they were going for that, right? Because mm-hmm. by bringing back director John Avildsen, the guy who directed the original, this feels very much like a going back to the roots. Like, they realized that Rocky Four was so far off the reservation from where Rocky One began that they were trying to kind of bring it back in and pair it back down and make it more personal. Wait a second. Let's not put all the blame on Rocky Four. I mean, Mr. T and Hulk Hogan were in Rocky Three. I mean, if we're talking about jumping a shark here, Three was definitely where they're hitting the ramp, and Four, Rocky's doing the quadruple flip over the shark fin. Oh, I don't disagree one bit. I think that it has been uh, what we call scope creep the entire time. It just kept getting bigger and bigger and more ridiculous and more ridiculous, with Four being the pinnacle of that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now they're trying to bring it back to where it was before. And well, that's what I guess our whole conversation is going to be about is did they succeed in doing that? Well, the way they do it, I mean, they're not just bringing back the director and trying to bring back some of the sentiment, but they apparently felt Rocky couldn't be a sentimental character while rich. And so they had to come up with a contrived way to make him poor again. Well, I think there's really nowhere else to go with the character if he stays rich. I mean, dramatically speaking, you had to take everything away from him. Otherwise, what story are you going to possibly tell? Kill his dog. We killed his trainer and then we killed his other trainer. (laughs) Somebody kill his dog for a fight. (laughs) So (laughs) with relatives, (laughs) nowhere to be killed. They take away his money. But they start the movie off with him having the brain damage, which it makes a lot of sense considering the beating he took. And we had this conversation before in other podcasts about what happened to that eye and all that kind of thing. All of a sudden that was forgotten. Now he's having the brain damage and all that sort of thing. That to me is a logical place to start. So he can no longer box as we learn later on. He won't be able to box, but from right here and he's shaking and all that kind of stuff. And, and Adrian's screaming retirement. This movie has a place to go. I think they started this movie off properly. I don't know. We already called it out. We saw this in two with the eye. It's just, we're going to go bigger with brain damage now. Sure, that ties into Rocky's reputation being able to just take punches. There's got to be some kind of downside to someone that's just a human punching bag. But I already kind of saw this in Rocky 3 and he was fighting weaker people because of the eye and Rocky 2, the eye was against. I already saw two movies about this. I don't Mm -hmm. know if I need another one. And I'm of the same boat that I feel like everything that happens here is the exact opposite of how it should be. It's the most inorganic story I've ever seen because brain damage is never brought up again. It's just an excuse to get him to stop fighting. This accountant is never brought up again. It's just an excuse to make him poor again. It's like starting in the center of the maze and tracing your way out through the most lazy lines possible. They're just going to, in the first 20 minutes, get rid of everything Rocky loves, including the robot, apparently, because we don't see it. The robot's totally gone. Now, I got to ask you this, though. Maybe this is why the robot's gone. We talked about this in the last Rocky movie about the timeline. Um, How long was he in Russia? Because this kid's like <laughs> six years older. I know. <laughs> I know. It's I like know. Chrissy from Growing Pains. Like, did the robot rust in this time and it's been disposed of? Like, they say later on in the movie, it's only been a few months. But it's weird. It's like this film came six years after number four. So it's like they let that six years go by. But the timeline in the movie, it's this weird, like, hyperspace timeline for these Rocky films. I think that they don't care enough to worry about it because they state here that Mickey died in 82, which isn't possible if you watch the films. 
but Rocky 3 came out in 82. So it doesn't make sense, but it's 1990 now. The kids, even older than I think he should be, because he comes off older than 12 to me. I figured he was like 12 in this film. It looks like he's in junior high. Yeah, if he was born in 1976, if they're going by the year the movie was released then he should be 13, 14 years old, right? Yeah. And the last film, he was like eight years old. So he certainly grew up while Rocky was away. My thing about the robot is, I know he got sold at the auction, but I'm dying to know how much for. <laughs> yeah, why don't they show it? Like, they made such a big deal out of the robot. that Instead, there's this moment with the motorcycle. Get off the motorcycle, kid. It's been sold. No, shouldn't he be, like, hugging the robot? Or at least Polly should be having his last filthy violation of that <laughs> robot before he gives it up. <laughs> I know. I would think that robot, even in the 21st century, was so advanced with his speak and spell that you'd get to pay off all of Rocky's debts with that robot. Arnie, I think you and I at least agree that a lot of things seem contrived here. And we find out about the money that Polly got a letter from the accountant who said, hey, this is some tax forms to fill out. Polly tells Rocky, fill out these tax forms. It's really power of attorney. Yet they're all pissed off at Polly. Like, Rocky's the one signing his name. I don't understand why he's not reading it. I know there's been some issues with his literacy in the earlier movies, but I just feel Polly gets a bad rap here, how they blame him for everything, when it's Rocky signing his name to it. It gets to the point that I thought it was Polly who signed the form, and I was like, why did Polly sign it? <laughs> She's the brains, don't they call that? I'm the brawn, you're the brains <laughs> in the first film. She should probably be handling the money at this point. But she kind of didn't support him on the whole Russia thing. So, And the other thing, they come up with every reason that Rocky can't cash in off his fame. They throw out that he can't do commercials because they've dug up that he used to work for a loan shark, and so no one will hire him for a commercial. Yeah, just like Kobe Bryant, you don't ever see him in a commercial, and he's just an accused rapist. I was thinking Michael Vick, yeah. I do agree with you how he lost the money and so quickly is contrived. The point I liked where they're starting from is that he had the brain damage from taking these punches from this guy who punches three times as hard as anybody else. So I think they could have had him have to retire from boxing because of the injuries, and then the money dries up a la MC Hammer, who we may or may not be talking about <laughs> later in this movie. So they could have done it that way, which would have been much more organic. What you're saying about the power of attorney thing, I'm on board with. It's not organic, and it seems completely forced to get them to Philadelphia as soon as possible. Well, with the brain damage thing, let me ask, you know, when you're sitting around a writer's room and talking with your co-writers about the next Rocky film, whose idea is it to go, let's do the next Rocky film, and Rocky never boxes? That sounds like an idea that I wouldn't buy. I would go on to the next writing team. I think the reason is everyone acknowledges how old Sylvester Stallone is at this point, And at that time, boxers that old sounds unrealistic. But Rocky V came out a couple of years too early. George Foreman coming back to win a heavyweight belt in 1993-1994, it's around there. So if Rocky had just waited, we could have seen the George Foreman story a la Rocky for this movie, and everyone would have bought it. But I know when this movie came out, I was thinking, well, it's kind of long in the tooth. It's kind of old to be a boxer, isn't he? And I'm sure the rest of the world was, too. So the idea was to move on to the next step. Well, I'm just going to say, watching this now, I don't remember what I thought of it all. I probably just watched it as a Rocky film, and he's going to fight, whatever. But watching all these films recently, you know, these last few weeks for this retrospective, I'm not so sure a Rocky film without the boxing ain't a bad idea. I think it could work. We talked about it with that first Rocky film. 
mm-hmm. there's like eight minutes of actual boxing in it. You could have done it where you never had that boxing match. He goes in and then you see him when he comes out. And I think that could have still worked. When you get down to the core essence of Rocky, yes, he's a boxer. And in the sequels, they become boxing movies. But I think you could do a legitimate dramatic story about this character. There's enough love for him. You know, now that we're on this fifth film, he's a cultural icon by this point. Yeah, mass audiences, they want the boxing. I think those that care more about story, you could pull off that dramatic Rocky film. I think at this point, though, you're the fifth installment in. It's not the time to start screwing with expectations like that. I think that at a certain point, people know what they expect going in. And I mean, we'll call it out right now. We don't know what we think of this film yet, but this film is almost universally hated, right? And Rocky Four was the most popular financially of the entire series. And I think it's because this was such a radical departure that basically audiences gave this movie the finger. It's also kind of a bummer of a movie. I can see why the creative team, as we already talked about, wanting to go back to basics, wanting to go back to the beginning of where Rocky was, closer to the original movie. But perhaps they went too far to get to that point. And I don't know that they necessarily had to go this far with it. One of the things that I read while researching this movie is that when Stallone wrote each of the Rocky films, they were kind of a parable for his life at that point, with Rocky One being a struggling boxer being a parable for him as a struggling actor, Rocky Two being him achieving success, Rocky Three being him dealing with success, and Five was basically, you know, this was the time of Tango and Cash and Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. This was an actor whose career was on the wane, and he has said in interviews that it's because he trusted the wrong people, listened to the wrong people, and made the wrong choices. But that said, Stallone never had to go back to basics here. And I don't know that Rocky did either. I think they might have taken it a little bit too far. Yeah, I think there's a good core story with the father and son relationship and that mirroring Rocky and Tommy Gunn's relationship as boxer and trainer. Like, I think you could have pulled off a decent film about Rocky being a trainer and that dynamic of living in the shadow. I don't know if I needed to see Rocky. Well, I'm not going to say put on the gloves because he doesn't put on the gloves at the end of this film, but one where he's throwing punches. I have to say, though, while all of this is contrived, you mentioned the sun, Jacob. For the sun, I felt bad. I didn't really feel bad for Rocky, Polly, or Adrian, but you see little Robert Jr. there losing everything, presumably losing the robot, and (laughs) it actually made me feel for these characters far more than I ever did in part two, because this kid was going from riches to rags, and... I Even though they're in t- the reasoning behind the plight was, you used the best word for it, Brock, contrived, I still felt bad for them having to do it. I just felt that Robert Jr., I guess I pitied him because he was the little rich kid who never had a struggle in life and now he's going to have to struggle. Like I don't know if I felt bad because he's a spoiled rich kid. It's hard for me to empathize with those kind of people. Well, he was a rich kid, but he was not spoiled per se. He never... The kid got babysat by a robot while his parents were kicking it in Russia. He has a robot. (laughs) He's spoiled. No, wait a second. Spoiled is an attitude. Spoiled is not a ownership thing. He had everything, but he never came across entitled. He never came across as spoiled. Oh, come on. He was taking French lessons and drawing nudie pics of his teacher. That's advanced beyond his years, not spoiled. (laughs) I guess just the perception of how rich they were. I mean, these people had a lot of money. And so it was just, yeah, okay, I feel bad for you because you lost it all. Suck it up and deal with it like the rest of us poor people. Well, they get the Philly and Rocky takes the kid to school. 
and starts trying to teach him a little bit about what street smarts are as opposed to book smarts. And obviously the kid gets bullied. We just talked about that. But why didn't in this entire time did Rocky not teach the kid how to defend himself at all? And then if he knew he was going back to this Philly neighborhood. Well, he was in Russia for six years. <laughs> <laughs> but OK, so instead of the street smarts conversation, we should have had a scene. Uh, just in case you need to, son, uh, here's how def- basic defense or something. It's Rocky, after all. The kid's drawing nudie pictures. Obviously, he's going to be a lover, not a fighter. I don't know. It just seems to me that if my dad's a boxer, I'm going to learn a little bit. Just a little bit. My dad's a cardiologist. I don't know CPR. Okay, well, you should probably should. <laughs> <laughs> you probably should. I'm just saying that just because your dad does something doesn't mean you do. You know it. Yes, I know that. But it seems to me, Arnie, that a boxer passes down a little bit of this kind of stuff, especially when you're younger. I'm not going to criticize Rocky for whether or not he taught his kid how to fight. I like that dynamic where they're walking to the school and we have the great rap soundtrack because it's 1990 now, so we got to have lots of rap in this movie. I was taken to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yes. The soundtrack. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Rocky is trying to teach his son about scams, and his son's like, oh, you mean like deceptions? And what, what's a deception? Like, I liked that contrast between the father and the son, that the son is much more Adrian than Rocky. And I like that dynamic that it's going to explain further down the line why they are more estranged in this film and why they grow apart. Because the son, like he wants to have this relationship with his dad, but Rocky kind of sucks as a dad, which is weird because the first Rocky film, it's like he's going around taking care of everyone. He's got a heart of gold, as Arnie would say. So, again, I think there's a good story here with the father and son thing, and I like how they're playing it, but we'll see how it ends. Rocky Jr. gets beat up by a bully who wants his coat. Did you guys happen to recognize who the bully was? No, it's it's Kevin Connolly from Entourage on Happily Ever After. Ringing any bells, anybody? Nope, not shows that I watch. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so <laughs> he's still working today. So he's got more work than Sage Salone has gotten in the last few years. <laughs> the only other thing I've seen this guy in was the Beverly Hillbillies movie. So, so then Adrian gets her job back at the pet shop. <laughs> we really are going back to roots here. I couldn't believe that either. We kept the position the whole time, just in case. I, I really thought she was going to bring out the wool knit cap. They did bring out the glasses. Yes, yes. yes, they did. And then Rocky goes to the gym, which is completely de- decrepit. This gym, which has either been empty for a couple of months or six years. We're not sure because <laughs> this time. <laughs> I thought it was really weird how run down it was because he used it for training. He used it to fight with Apollo again, like a year before. the. Yeah, but yeah. we'll move on. <laughs> That's very good call, Jake. The timeline, <laughs> even the gym gets screwed up in the timeline. So Rocky goes into this gym, whoever <laughs> abandoned gym him and has flashbacks of mickey and we have some new scenes with burgess meredith for the first time in a movie and a half did you guys like the scenes with mickey no look mickey was the tough guy the tough obnoxious trainer they didn't cut you no slack and now mickey loves you mickey loves you i don't want this this is not (laughs) mickey okay i get this this is about fathers and sons doesn't work for the mickey rocky relationship i always thought they worked better as the grumpy trainer that never got his chance writing the coattails of of the up-and-coming boxer that relationship works so much better before i got this weird love relationship (laughs) all right well here's the thing i mean mickey and rocky always have had a father-son relationship but their father-son relationship was that like jack nicholson and his boy in the shining 
<laughs> yes. But I saw this fight where Mickey's training Rocky and giving him the glove and everything. And he's saying, you got to be ready for Apollo. And I'm thinking, this can't be before the first fight. But if it was before the second fight, I could see this fitting in. And while it was a little bit sappy and just trying to, I think, do too much in one scene, maybe they only had him on set for a day. I went with it. It was good to see him back. He, he was always a good presence in these films. And it really did establish the father-son bit and that silver glove that's going to be a major plot point going forward. And I think that it, given that it wasn't like The Phantom Menace where they have that Japur snippet that he gives to Padme for no apparent reason that comes back up two movies later, since we didn't have the silver glove in part one or two i liked having a flashback to set up that and i am more on the side of arnie in this one i didn't think it was perfect scene it certainly was sappy but given the themes of the movie and yes since we saw the boxing glove i think since rocky three i think he had it on his neck in rocky three so i didn't really care where that came from (laughs) i didn't really need to know the origin of the necklace (laughs) or the cufflink apparently i mean they never told us the origin of the hat look i got this hat back in uh, Rocky 4. We don't know where he got the hat. Maybe in Rocky 6 we'll get the flashback to Apollo giving him the hat. Who knows? <laughs> but the scene overall for me was did work. I agree with Arnie. I think if it was set around the second fight of Apollo, this scene works much better. Right? Listening to what you were saying, Jacob, that certainly is the relationship they had in the first Rocky movie. But as time went on, as we saw, the relationship turned differently. So it certainly seems to me that it had to be somewhere on Rocky 2 that that conversation took place. Yeah, because they have tender moments in Rocky 3. And this scene here in Rocky 5 is not that far off from what we were seeing when they're having their little heart-to-hearts in Rocky 3. And I think this scene for this movie with Rocky in the position he is in, it does kind of make sense that he's thinking about Mickey. I think it makes a lot of sense for this character to reminisce when he walks into that room. The only thing I don't like, and you called it out, Jacob, was the line, Mickey loves you. That was out of character. They didn't need to say it. We got it. I was going with it until that line, and that just it just ruined the entire scene for me. I just didn't buy that. It's an off line, but it doesn't taint the entire scene. I guess it's worse because they bring it back. <laughs> so I guess we missed the scene where he applies for a small business loan to get all the gym put back together and get all the equipment back in there because next time you see the gym it's all and it's fully populated with people and there's a new fighter in town tommy gun and just to make sure you know it's 1990 he's got the mullet short up front party and back i'm sorry there's just things the set the soundtrack here the haircut it just oh it just yelled out to me this time watching it isn't it great, though, that we love the songs from the 80s because those kick-ass Eye of the Tiger and even Arnie mentioned he liked the Burning Heart and from Rocky Four. But when we hear this kind of music here from 1990, where three of us are like, nah. The thing is, it's not because it's hip-hop or rap. I like hip-hop and rap. It's go for it. Like, it's just bad. It's just go bad. Go for it. <laughs> I see it in your eyes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love CNC Music Factory. <laughs> As do I. Is that who did it? Was this CNC Music Factory? No, but it was just like it. Yeah, I was wondering if it was them. I was going to say. <laughs> I don't like CNC Music Factory, so. There was a song later on where I recognized the rapper's voice, but I couldn't place him. I look it up. It was Snap from I've Got the Power. Isn't MC Hammer on the soundtrack too, though? He is, and I did not know that when I referenced him way back in Rocky Two. <laughs> Yeah. But you know something? In 1990, I would have owned the soundtrack if I'd known about this. I mean, I'm kind of surprised you wouldn't own it now, Arnie. 
You didn't go on eBay and try to get it for seventy five dollars. All right, I didn't want to admit it, but I was looking at the Amazon. <laughs> I mean, there's <laughs> I, I'm a fan of cheesy eighties and early nineties music like this. I mentioned Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's one of my guilty pleasure soundtracks. So yeah, I think I need nostalgia, but I could have gone with this music. But man, does it date poor. There you go. I had TNT soundtrack by the way. I listened to that thing till it broke. Loved it. So you guys do know that Tommy Morrison was a real life fighter. But his last name wasn't Gunn. No, it was Tommy Morrison, the yeah. actor. Yeah. It, it, Tommy he... Gunn is a terrible name for a character. Yes. Well, and <laughs> they had to give him the nickname The Machine, so it's like Machine Gun. Get it, Arnie? Like... Oh, we get it. It's just lame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not an idiot. <laughs> I'm joking. I, it's it's yeah. as contrived as the rest of this movie is. Again, I say his parents hated him. Uh, yes. So Tommy Morrison, though, his footnote in life, besides being in this movie, though, he had to retire because he contracted HIV and no one would box him or they said he wasn't fit to box or something like that. I think he came back to fighting much like Magic Johnson did a few years later after he retired for similar reasons. He never made it big in the heavyweight division, but that's his story. And he used a real fighter here. I think he did fine as an actor, you know, for a sportsman coming in to act. I believed every beat of this character. Never once did I feel like he wasn't pulling off the role. Well, yeah, because he's playing himself. It's not a real stretch. You know, if Michael Jordan was in a movie playing Michael Jordan, Space Jam, never seen it. (laughs) But but if it's it's a movie about Michael Jordan making slam dunks, is that acting or is that just someone filming what he actually does? Like, yeah, I agree. He doesn't take me out. He doesn't stick out like, oh, this guy's not a real boxer or this guy can't act. Yeah, he's playing a guy that's an up-and-coming boxer like he does in real life i don't know if i'm supposed to give him credit for that well no where i give him credit though is i really believe his hunger and i believe his douchebaggery later on when he betrays rocky i mean all of it i went with him on and normally i don't even give sports people in films that much he got the job done the monologue dinner i would have preferred a little bit different and then i thought you know at the end there when he does as you mentioned turn on rocky it does make sense for the character, and he did a good enough job for us not to say, oh, come on. But I would have liked a little stronger dramatic chops here and there, and I do agree with you, Arnie. I completely bought he was a boxer. It wasn't a hard stretch to do that. I didn't really find him too likable in the early scenes, though, when he's trying to appeal to Rocky in the I'm like you kind of way. There, he didn't click with me. He clicked with me a little bit later on once Rocky took him under his wing, but during those opening scenes, that was where he was faltering. We haven't talked yet about the Don King guy. Right before we meet Tommy, the guy said something about, we got to find a way to get Balboa. And he was trying to hypothesize how to do that. I thought that he was a plant by the George Washington Duke character at first. I thought that's how deep back it went. All right. This is funny because I was getting Karate Kid 3 flashbacks many times during this (laughs) movie. And that is the plot of Karate Kid 3. That's why you (laughs) thought it. it. Exactly. There you go. I'll be honest. As much as I've seen this, it's been a while, but I was wondering the same thing towards the beginning of Tommy was a plant because I knew where this movie was going. I just didn't remember how we got there. So I'm with you guys. George Washington Duke. First of all, didn't we already have a character named Duke? We do. It was Apollo's trainer. So yeah. So that's not confusing, but an obvious Don King ripoff. But what are you going to do in 1990? 1990. Mike Tyson, he's still king of the world, right? Right around this time is when Mike Tyson actually fell. Okay, so when they were making this movie, he was king of the world and had been for many years. I know Mike Tyson's Punch-Out came out 
like 87, 88. So he'd been up there for a while. Don King was on everything. Don King was on television. I think he did cameos on LA Law. I couldn't get away from this man. Yeah, I didn't follow boxing, and I knew who Don King was at this point, and I knew this sure. guy was supposed to be a caricature of him. I, I'm wondering about if someone's watching this today, someone younger than us that doesn't have that pop cultural background, if they get what this character is doing or if it's just some outrageous guy. Like, is Don King, I, that's someone I haven't thought about for a very long time. He's kind of like Johnny Cochran. I mean, everyone was doing Johnny Cochran. Even the Seinfeld references later on in the decade would have that guy doing Johnny Cochran. Would kids today understand what they were doing there with that spoof? And the answer is probably no to both. Yeah, I don't think they'll get it. I mean, the way he keeps going, only in America, which is Don King's line and everything. Now, Brock, did you recognize him? I did. He's in Friday the 13th Part 7, right? He's in the, the morgue. He, Jason Goes to Hell, which was 9. He is nine. the coroner. I It killed me. I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like, I know him. I know I know him, and I just couldn't <laughs> place him, and I did have to IMDb it after the fact. Yeah. And I'm looking through his resume, and he's done everything, so I know I've seen him like in NYPD Blue and things like that. But yeah. where I sadly know him from is the coroner who eats the heart. But I think he did a great job here. I think it's the right choice to take boxing to this direction, because that's what people associate with boxing at this time. Where they made a mistake was... I think a great challenge would have been Rocky against a fictionalized Mike Tyson. You know, somebody who one punch will take you out. Somebody who was really tough and upcoming. But I guess they kind of did that with Mr. T, didn't they? I think he was trying to make a point using a Don King character and to have the paper champion. Because remember, Rocky retired the champ. They did it right, I think, with just him. I thought this guy was a little big, even though Don King was certainly boisterous uh, in his day. I thought this guy kind of really played it big all of the time. I think that's how Don King is, too. But I thought it was a little too much. I did enjoy him in certain scenes, and I, especially in front of the cameras. Completely bought it. It's just other times I just felt it wouldn't have been nice when the cameras weren't on him and he's actually having a conversation that it was toned down even more than it was. It would have been kind of nice to have a little bit more dimension instead of having a cartoon character in this movie. I liked it because I think that's how Don King is. I think Don King is like that whenever people are around and so i think if you're putting a don king in there doing it this way works what i want to know is when the scene where we're introduced to him is during rocky's mm -hmm. press conference who gave him a pa mike <laughs> brought his own <laughs> probably that's i'm sure he just brought it himself love how reporters talk one at a time at these things too. very convenient <laughs> for everybody the problem is they drop this character for a while because we're introduced to him at the very beginning setting him up and his fighter union kane who really I don't remember if he ever speaks, but he's barely in this film. I mean, he's as much of a plot device as that little silver glove, just as as a paper champion that Tommy wants to take down. But when we go back to Philly, we forget all about these characters until after Tommy's big snap montage of his fights. And then Tommy now wants to be the champion in... A few months? Because, I, I mean, this guy fighting so many fights that he went from completely unknown to wanting a shot at the championship in one year seems a bit unlikely. Well, come on. Six years is only a couple of months in this universe, so. <laughs> <laughs> they had this montage of him fight after fight after fight. And like we said before, they spaced those a few months apart. I honestly thought when we got back to Rocky Jr., he'd be like a senior. <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. That it's amazingly condensed amount of time for he was 11 and 0, I think he said when he talked to Rocky in the first scene with Rocky trying to get him to train him. And then he turns out to be what, 22 and 0 before he gets the title shot. And I'm like, that's 11 fights in less than a year. 
That's insane. Come on, that one a month. Far less because Rocky Jr. is still wearing the coat. It's still winter. A boxer can't work once a month? You can't promote it. No. The answer is no, Jacob. No. (laughs) I can't imagine you can. And he's obviously just fighting little fights. I mean, they actually did have him back at the place where Rocky had his first fight against Spider Rico in that first movie. We saw Jesus back. And they recreated that shot where he panned from Jesus to boxing Mm -hmm. because he's making no money. I guess if you're just fighting there, you could fight once a week. I guess you're right. Yeah, maybe you can do that there. And then getting all this press because, and you notice every single clipping had Rocky's boy or Rocky's protege. And that was certainly a great way to build up the resentment, etc. And then during this montage, you see Rocky Jr. learning from other people how to fight and defend himself. Yeah, he is Pauly. learning from Polly. When Polly is your role model, you have seriously <laughs> screwed up as a parent. Like, your kid has gone askew when they're learning from Polly. <laughs> Unless you're learning shots. The thing is, I kind of like this dynamic. Again, it, you could have outrageous Rocky films at work, like Rocky Four worked for me, Rocky Three worked for you guys. And you could also have good dramatic Rocky films where there's themes and like one and two. And so I like this father and son thing where the son, he's gone from the rich kid to the poor kid that's beating up and his dad, the boxer won't even teach him, and but he's teaching this other guy. I like all these dynamics that are going on and the son's working out and becoming a boxer so he could stand up for himself, get used to the streets. Like, I like all this stuff that's going on. I just don't like how it's going on. I agree completely. I like everything they're doing. I actually like how it's going on. I wish it was a little bit less trite. I feel like I've seen this a thousand times before, but beyond that, I like how they're doing it. It's mostly in montage, so I don't know how we can argue about the execution. (laughs) Well, my problem is it's all going to service Rocky Balboa, Sylvester Stallone. Like, and I've said this throughout a lot of these films, like with Apollo, like, I wish after that first film, you move the camera away from Rocky. He works in that first film. Not the most interesting character. There's lots of interesting characters in these films, and they just choose to focus on the wrong one. Yes, I know it's named after him, but he's the wrong character to focus on. He's also the one who's writing the scripts. <laughs> yes. True. I think we had a similar conversation in two, Jacob, and I'm sort of where you are there. I think the themes are here. But how they're doing it isn't working for me either. It seems pretty easy. There's not a lot of heart to what I'm watching here. And so when it actually goes down poorly later on, I'm not as invested in it as I was in 2, where I could see through a lot of the baloney to see what they're going for. So when it actually seemed that do pack a punch are able to do so because the themes are stronger or better or whatever. Maybe the first time we saw them in in this series. Here, I felt like it just was just so predictable. And they were kind of heavy handed with it, with the son being neglected for this other guy. It wasn't working for me, even though this montage, you say, how can you say it's that execution's poor throughout the whole movie? All the themes are not done as well as they could do because of ham handedness and obviousness. And I mean, I don't blame the kid. I think the kid did okay. No, I I think Stallone is doing, you know, you've heard of method acting. I think he's doing method writing (laughs) here. He is writing this from the perspective of a brain damaged person. Like there's. I think Sage actually did a pretty good job here. I was surprised that he didn't Sofia Coppola all over the place. I, I agree. I, again, I, I don't think you can blame this kid. It's sad he never really went on to do anything. The only other time I've seen him was in person at a tiny little horror con in Indy where he was promoting a horror film he was in. Oh, that's sad. It is. No matter how bad that airing they made him wear in this film is, <laughs> he came off as an authentic 
angsty teen who feels he's gotten a crappy lot in life. He used to be the rich kid. Now he's poor. The friends he makes make sense. His dad doesn't care about him. I don't know what Adrian's been doing this whole time. She's got the brains. Why isn't she taking him under his wing? Whatever. Polly's raising this kid now as a father. Like, it doesn't come off as inauthentic as some of the stuff in this film comes off. Sage, he pulls it off here. Like, he seems like a kid that's really upset and troubled and going through a hard time. And Rocky Four, like, every line Rocky Jr. said just felt like an adult wrote it. Here, it feels like an angsty teenage kid that's pissed off about life and pissed off at his dad. He does this well. It, just like I wish I saw more Apollo and more Clubber Lang, I wish I got more Rocky Jr. in this film. Now, here's something interesting, and I don't know where I read this, but I read this a long time ago. An early draft of this had the son as the Tommy character, and hmm. the son was the one Rocky trained, and the son was the one who wanted the glory and turned on Rocky, and it ended Rocky and his son in fisticuffs. No, no. As much as this film hasn't been working, that would have worked so much less. I don't want to see Rocky become a child abuser. Well, the son was much older. I get that, but it's still his father beating up his son. No. How are you going to cheer Rocky on? I just beat the hell out of my kid. Yay. Like, no. No, you can't do that. It's it's like that Garth Brooks song, The Time I Called the Old Man Out. So you're saying instead of getting off the plane, the kid aging six years, he would have aged 15? Yeah, just about. Okay. So there you go. Again, I like the father and son thing. I think we could all agree this could have been better written where, you know, Rocky maybe shows a little bit more disappointment that his son gets beat up, that he's not this tough guy on the street like he was, and that's why he turns to Tommy. We get why the son is jealous, and I think we get why Rocky goes towards Tommy. I just wish that relationship and that triangle worked better in this film. I think that's an interesting story. You know, there's always the stories about the jock, and he's disappointed that his son isn't going to grow up to be on the high school football team, and there's this tension there. Like, I think you could have done a decent story here. I think you're on the right track, Jacob. I think this movie either was cut down or they decided they couldn't go that way. Because I think you said before, I wanted more Rocky Jr. If that's the story they gave me, I agree with you. If they want to show us more of Rocky Jr. of the movie they gave us now, I disagree with you because I don't want to watch more of this. I get the point. I get the themes of the movie. Can we please get Tommy away from Rocky sooner and get Rocky and his son bonded better? Because by the end of the movie, when they come back together, I don't completely believe Rocky and his son get bonded back together based on what happens. They don't give enough time for that relationship to mend, etc. You know what I liked, though, was that they had the scene where Rocky Jr. fights back with the bully mm -hmm. and he kicks his butt. And then I honestly thought we were going to see the son turning to the dark side. Like he has the power. He's going to be the bully now. And instead, he's like, we can just end this. We can walk away. And then he's like friends with the bully and they go hang out together and smoke and I kind of like that turn. I thought it was funny the bully was overhanging out at the house. <laughs> I did like that he said we could end this now. I thought that was a really cool way to end that scene. But when the bully was back at the house hanging out later on, I'm like, really? That quick? There was a montage in between. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Time moves weirdly in these movies. They were 30 at that point. Because later on in the movie, when Rocky does confront the kid and he's smoking, I was waiting for the kid to say, I learned it from you, Dad. I learned it from watching <laughs> you. Because he calls him out on it. Yeah. So... This entire thing where Rocky is bonding with Tommy and ignoring Rocky Jr., I'm going with it until Christmas Day. And like a lump of coal, the movie takes a bad turn for me as Rocky's going to give that silver glove to Tommy. And I'm just sitting there like, oh, Rocky, you're dumb, but are you that dumb? He's brain damaged. <laughs> he is brain damaged, <laughs> and he is acting it, because he's known this guy for a while. I understand that it's, first of all, his 
surrogate rise back to the boxing ring, his ability to continue working and fighting. But to do that already, that's like, I don't know, because it was all montage, it felt to me like proposing on the third date. I think... Also, since Mickey gave it to him, he wanted to give it to his protege, etc. But I, I agree with you. It didn't work at all. Adrian, it gets ignored again. And she kind of, the way she said the line was like, you're not going to listen to me anyway, but I think you've given him enough. And, and so the whole scene seems weird. I'm really happy he didn't give it to him, though. Because if he actually did give it to him before that scene went down, I would have been much more upset. Come on. You get to the end of this film where he gave him it and he beats Tommy up and yanks it off him. I'm taking this bat. Yanks it off. Come on. You don't want that kind of scene. Or just the ultimate insult of Tommy throwing it back in Rocky's face. I mean, there's so many ways they could have done it. So many cliches Stallone could have written into this film. And I'm surprised they didn't have it when Tommy's driving away with his whore in the Lamborghini or whatever the car was. That Rocky didn't give it to him as like a final please don't break up with me kind of thing. (laughs) It felt that desperate. It really felt more like an awkward dating relationship than a protege-type mentor thing. Well, come on, look how Rocky learned how to train. I mean, you, Mickey loves you. It was just <laughs> as awkward as that. Like, that's what he's learned as an up-and-coming fighter. Thank God there is no, Rocky loves you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. He doesn't say that to his son at the end. I'm, I'm surprised we don't get that. I meant to Tommy. <laughs> I know, but even to his son, I mean, I'm glad they didn't go there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. What I don't understand is... Why did it have to be an either-or? It's not like Tommy turned to the dark side and had to go with the Emperor. He still needs a trainer and a promoter, and I think, honestly, George Washington Duke could have made Rocky a lot of money. George Washington Duke said, you can keep Rocky as your trainer. Uh huh. I'm just going to give you the bigger fights. Tommy drops him because he's in his shadow, and it seems like Duke kind of plays that up, that he's in his shadow, and that's why he needs to get bigger fights. At the same time, you know, I guess it shouldn't surprise us that he's speaking out of both sides of his mouth, saying, hey, keep Rocky as a trainer, and then, but also saying, you're in Rocky's shadow, you need a bigger fight, you need to come with me. But he became the world champ, and he's still not out of Rocky's shadow, but... Only because Stallone wanted to write it that way. Yeah, ego much. But we have it here where Tommy drives off and says, you can train me or not, I don't care. And that's the last we see of it until Tommy's fight. So did Rocky finally grow some stones and say, screw you? Because that's not how it seems when the fight is on and Rocky's really cheering for Tommy and almost like doing some kind of weird astral projection of Rocky throwing the punches to the punching bag and then Tommy does to the person. It was the vicarious thing that I was talking about in Rocky 3 with Apollo training with Rocky, but completely without any subtlety. (laughs) And I'm just going to say, this is where the movie should have ended. And let me explain why. Rocky Jr. comes down. He's kind of watching the fight back behind his dad. This is where Rocky should have realized, hey, my son's here. He's more important. I'm turning off the TV and the outcome doesn't even matter. Like, this is where it should have ended if they wanted to tell a good story. But I guess they want to tell a Rocky movie instead. Why do I get the feeling you would have liked that ending just because it would have made this movie about a half hour shorter? No, because it would have made sense story-wise instead of what we get. What you're saying, all these ideas of how they can make a better father-son story, all these things you're talking about father-son in this podcast so far, Jacob, that's not what this movie's really doing. This movie has these themes, but it's not really exploring them properly at all. So it <laughs> couldn't have ended there. And I'm saying that because this is a Rocky film. If Stallone cared about 
art. And it's obvious he doesn't because in real life, Stallone got really pissed off when the Philadelphia Art Museum didn't want to keep his statue in front of there because they're like, that's not real art. It's a movie prop. This is a guy that doesn't understand storytelling. Hey, he wrote the first one. I think everyone has one good story in him. And we got that in Rocky 1. And we got a pretty decent story in Rocky 2. But I understand. This is the story Stallone wants to tell. Story-wise, what makes a good story? This Don't watch this film if you want to learn to be a writer. That's all I'm saying. I thought The Expendables got ripped off for an Academy Award nomination, Jacob. I don't know what you're talking about. Don't get me started about The Expendables. Don't even get me started. <laughs> I was thinking Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably the only one ever thinking Cobra. <laughs> Full of originality. Both of those movies were. And really, Real Steel totally stole over the top. <laughs> Stallone needs to sue somebody. <laughs> anyway. I kind of agree, but... You know what? I'm still kind of going with it because at this point, and this is bad, but Rocky's pathetic. I'm looking at him and he's more awkward than Donald and can't buy me love. And he's just so freaking sad that I feel for this guy. He needs to grow a pair in this movie. And I'm so glad we get the scene where he does because I'm cheering him on when he finally stands up for himself. I really am. It got me just... Seeing him solo, he lost his money, I was okay. He lost his house, that was okay. But he lost his pride when he's down there in that basement. It reminded me of Scott Pilgrim versus the world where Scott was still pining over Envy Adams and he just can't escape her. And I really feel bad for Rocky at this point. If the movie had ended here, I would have wept. Are you talking about how Tommy doesn't give him any credit after he wins? That's part of it. And Stallone actually plays the scene right. You see him swell with pride as he thinks his name's about to be said. Oh, he plays it obvious. I don't know if he plays it right. You would have cried? I would have cried. I felt so bad for this guy. This guy brought down communism, man. And now he's alone in a basement pining for his lost trainee. I wouldn't have cried. But I think that they needed to go on from this scene. Because it would have felt completely unfulfilled, even though what we get afterwards doesn't do much for me to fulfill it. I think if they gave Jacob's ending to this movie, it still wouldn't have worked. Look, I would have rewritten a lot of this stuff so it would have worked. So okay, don't I just blame so. it on my ending. I would have fixed a lot of problems. <laughs> So then Tommy still doesn't get respect after winning the belt, and he goes after Rocky. And I was getting another Rocky II flashback. I thought he was going to start the PR campaign with the Italian chicken. <laughs> yeah, why does he go the same night? I would figure you'd be pretty tired after a fight. Yeah, you just got beat up by beating someone else up. It takes a lot of energy, and you're still sore. Punching a punching bag, you do that for a minute, and it wears you out. Boxing works you out. Even if you're just punching someone else, you get a workout. You don't feel like going and hanging out in a bar and challenging someone to a fight after a boxing round. You could have waited till the next night. <laughs> really, it could sit. <laughs> I'm sure you'd still be as pissed off about being in Rocky Shadow the next day. Yeah, going immediately like that. And then to fall into the my rings outside which i make fun of the line but obviously the line's iconic right it's in the trailers and everything and i quote it it's iconic because it was in every single preview and it's the line everyone quotes because everyone was i thought mocking it it's a joke in the context of the movie i actually agree with you i think it works what, what, what? my rings outside i'm sorry we, we talked about how contrived Mm -hmm. So many plot points in this movie are. My yes. ring's outside? When has Rocky ever fought outside? It's when he was a knuckle breaker. And I said knuckle instead of leg because wasn't he supposed to break a thumb? Yes. <laughs> That's 
five movies ago. He's moved on. He's a rich guy. We never saw him street fight. He wouldn't even break the guy's knuckles. My ring's outside? This makes no sense. Jacob, I'm not talking about a character arc here. I'm talking in the moment when someone's challenging, oh, I'll fight you anytime. Well, my ring's outside. Let's go right now. It's not about what kind of fighter he was or is. It's like, you want a piece of me, asshole? Right now. I, I think what Jacob's saying is that we got George Washington Duke saying, this guy's a street brawler. You don't fight a street brawler on the street. Right. Well, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is him saying that line in that moment right. works completely. I'm just saying I agree with both of you because you're saying two separate things and you're both right. <laughs> <laughs> I just roll my eyes when he said if there was something to set this up, you know, if he beat up the dad of the bully who beat up his son, then maybe that would pay off. Yes, I get that he's down on his luck and he's out on the street. So I guess that's why his ring's outside. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It works for me that if somebody's up in your face, yeah. you don't want wait six months and plus we've seen how bitchy adrian can get when rocky goes against her wishes rocky too oh she, she gave a speech in this film and, <laughs> and it, like in my notes i put talia i love you i love what you've done in these films i'm done with your speeches <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it's much easier for rocky to get beat up in the street and then get beat up again at home rather than six months of her harping well he couldn't get licensed anyway guys right if he was going to fight Tommy, it wouldn't be able to be sanctioned anyway. But George Washington said he could make it happen. He knows the people whose palms to grease. Sure. But yeah, I mean, Rocky's been taunted with this the whole time. Rocky, obviously, the brain damage really has set in. He's never been the brightest bulb in the lamp, but... But he figured out the entire scheme of George Washington Duke, and he tried to explain it to Tommy himself. If Rocky could figure this out, Tommy, why can't you? <laughs> Did you notice the mullet? <laughs> But Rocky has the brain damage. <laughs> well, they go outside and, you know, it's don't break my jaw, my achy breaky jaw, as Rocky and he get into a mortal combat fight. Now, Jacob, your point about Rocky not being a street brawler, this actual fight being such a street fight, there is your point. I don't remember Rocky fighting this way in any other movie. We've never seen that before. I'm wondering, is this why they had that wrestling exhibition match in three so they could pay it <laughs> off in five that he learned something from that match? Because I was wondering what the hell the point of that was. But here, I finally got my payoff. He learned something from Thunderlips, and now he's pile driving Tommy the Machine Gun. Yeah, I couldn't believe the moves he was doing. Leg sweeps and all kinds of stuff. It's like, all of a sudden, he's Rambo, not Rocky. Yeah. It was an okay fight, though. I mean, it didn't feel like how boxers would fight at all. <laughs> it, nope. it, it really felt like they brought in a martial arts fight choreographer, and I think these guys should have fought like boxers would fight, because that's what they would know to do. I am more towards the latter of what you just said, Arnie. I think because they are boxers, and we have no history of any of these two guys fighting this way before, it seemed kind of odd. I did like where he said, I didn't hear no bell one more round. I liked that moment. I like that there were people crowded around them watching a real street fight like real people would. I like that, too. I know it's too early, but am I the only one who had an out-of-time moment wondering where people were with the YouTube video cell phones? Well, they were filming the whole thing. I was wondering if Tommy won, if Duke would have sold that tape as a pay-per-view event or something. Right there with bum fights. <laughs> As absurd as this film has become, I'm going to give it a second chance to do the right ending. Because what I care about in this film is Rocky reconciling with his son and saying, hey, I screwed up as a dad. Let me be a better dad. So Rocky Jr. shows up. You know, maybe Tommy wouldn't concede to this, but I feel Rocky sees his son and goes, you know what? I'm brain damaged. I could die from this and leave my son. I, I've already left him penniless. And now he's not going to have any way to have an income. I mean, he's going to be fatherless. I'm just going to give up. 
and say, Tommy, you're better than me and go home with his son. Like, that's the right thing to do. Rocky is a horrible father and he never redeems himself, even when he goes to the damn museum at the end of this film. He's a horrible father the entire time and does the wrong thing every time. Maybe they'll have some fallout. Well, you guys have seen the next one. I haven't, so I don't know if there's any fallout here. The only fallout I see is they go to a museum. <laughs> and nobody wins there. Again, for the movie we're seeing, Jacob, that's not the ending we're going to get. They have these themes that are not fully realized. But you have a wonderful point, and I like your thesis throughout the whole time. But it's like you're climbing uphill here, man. This movie is just not giving you that. It's not the movie here. I understand that. I, I'm just trying to explain. When people talk about how they like a popcorn film that you can turn your brain off, you can accept this then. But when you think about story and you care about story and plot and logic... This film doesn't have that. There was a good film here, and they wanted to make it a Rocky film. That's too bad. I would have preferred Rocky 1, going back to that style of storytelling, rather than 3 and 4. 4 is fun, but I like the dramatic stuff more. So there's a scene at the end here where Rocky wants to hit George Washington Duke, and he says, touch me and I'll sue. I was thinking already, you can't get blood from a stone. So I'm glad Rocky, brain damaged and all, got to that conclusion, too. He had the gym to lose. It's his son's. <laughs> Oh, yes. that's oh. He had nothing. He's his son's employee, I guess, at the gym. You know, just an assault charge and going to jail. Yeah, I was thinking he's going to, you know, charge him for assault, but there's no money there. So, sue him for what? I thought that was a satisfying little button at the end there. Plus, it's his hometown. He's a celebrity. I mean, they had cameras on. There, there's no way they're going to be able to lie about the story. It was being filmed the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Lindsay Lohan's done plenty of stuff with cameras on her. I'm sure she has <laughs> with many people. So he gets a punch and I expected no less from the movie. I, unfortunately, I got what I wanted out of the Tommy Rocky fight where Rocky finally came to his senses. And it's kind of funny how it ends, though, because if this whole thing's about father son dynamics and whatnot, you would think that this would end with him beating up Tommy and then Tommy going, you know, Rocky, you were right all along, and I just needed you to kick my butt to show it. And that that father-son dynamic would be repaired, and he and Rocky Jr. would be a bit more appreciative of one another. But instead, no, they just leave him in an alley, and Rocky goes to his son, who he's ignored for the past hundred minutes, and they go to a museum. As a trying to make an effort to be a better father moment i kind of like the line at the end i know it's cheesy but i like the line i never knew there were valuable pictures in this building that makes sense to me i thought that was a cute little line at the end of the movie i agree you never really think about it but he's not the kind who would go in yeah he never heard of a museum though come on well i think he was being a little funny too yeah i agree well, he, he tries <laughs> to be a little funny throughout the entire movie he tries yes and then the credits roll did either of you watch the credits yes I what did. a horrible horrible song that this movie ends on we don't get any of that fun rap no go for it no none of that no survivor <laughs> we get this really sappy ballad and i look it up and it's alan menken and elton john i didn't know it was alan menken until i looked it up but i recognized elton john instantly and i said elton john in a rocky movie really i didn't recognize the voice i really didn't i oh. honestly i didn't think he would do it i i wasn't <laughs> listening for him i'm not a big elton john fan but i like some of his stuff but the song was miserable it was ear shatteringly bad it's hard to believe these guys both have oscars for movie music because this stunk up my living room this is the song that made me go i will not buy your soundtrack sir i don't care if it has snap or not <laughs> most people would think say the opposite <laughs> <laughs> I 
watched the whole thing and they had black and white photographs that spanned all five movies, it kind of seemed like they were putting their stamp of this is it. The story is over with all these photographs. How could the story be over with this film, though? Like, I, what does this conclude? What Rocky is an awful father. The end. <laughs> he, he went from being a down on his luck bum to a down on his luck bum. That's a bad father that occasionally takes his kid to the museum. The end. Wait, where's the arc in that? I think we're supposed to see him as a good father from that museum scene. No, I I know they, what they want us to think. They just haven't paved that way throughout this story, this movie at all, to get us to actually want to think that. And I think also it's trying to tell us Rocky doesn't need money because Rocky Jr. loves him. Again, I would have liked to have seen that in this film. Then. Yeah, it's not earned by the movie, but yeah, I'm sure they want us to think that. I mean, Sylvester Stallone could have just written down what he wanted us to think and shown those key cards in front of the camera. I mean, <laughs> for, for what we got here, that would have been more successful. <laughs> so, Jacob, Arnie, do you recommend Rocky Five, Jacob? So if Rocky Three is where that ramp that's going to take us over the shark began and Rocky Four was the glorious triple backflips as he flies over the shark. Rocky Five is where Stallone crashes in the water and the shark devours him and tears him limb to limb. I don't enjoy this film because there's no storytelling going on here. I, th I think I've made that point over and over throughout this podcast. I don't think I need to repeat that. There's no logic to the story here. It's contrivance after contrivance. It's, hey, this is what you should be thinking, but what you're showing me on the film isn't leading me. This is all tell, but with no show. And I don't care if this is a Rocky film. I understand. And with the Rocky film, we got to have our montages and our fighting. You could still tell a decent story. Even though I didn't recommend three, I've enjoyed going back and watching all the other four Rockies. If I didn't like it enough to recommend it, there's still parts I enjoyed. This film, I guess I could say I enjoyed that kernel of a theme about father and sons that never germinates and goes anywhere. It's dead on arrival. No, I don't recommend Rocky Five. Arnie. The film has flaws. I can't deny that. But... Jacob, I gotta disagree that it's all tell and no show. I think that it shows a lot. It just, what it's showing and what it's telling, you don't like because it's very simple and it's telling it to you in a ham-handed way. But I found myself going along with the father-son plight here. Even though I realized it was trite, even though I realized it was cliche and done in a ham-handed fashion, there were moments that seemed really genuine, usually involving Sage. Who would have thought he'd be the better actor in the Stallone dynasty? But I, Have you seen all the Stallone movies besides Rocky? <laughs> I don't think there's much of a, a standard there to, to go over. And I haven't seen any of Sage's other work, so maybe it's... <laughs> <laughs> maybe... <laughs> wow, that's quite a comment then. <laughs> <laughs> but... I was going along with it. I like what they set up. I felt bad for this kid time and again. And I liked the montages. I thought the movie moved at a good Jeez. clip. I enjoyed the cheesy 90s music. And much like Stuart has that soft spot in his heart for that 70s grit, I have the soft spot in my heart for movies that came out when I was in high school and that kind of 90s kid and play type music. So did you ever have a mullet, Arnie? Yes, I did. Okay, there we go. See, too. I never had a mullet. That's why you're getting the film's getting so much sympathy from you. <laughs> I had a mullet too, for the record, and I have no oh. problem saying it. You should see my high school freshman photo. I was proud of my mullet, man. 
<laughs> I was back then. Me it was too. cool to have it. Yeah, it was totally. I'm on another planet right now. I, I'm in hockey verse where time makes no sense. <laughs> so yeah, I I was going with this film. Is it a great film? Absolutely not. Did it take my mind off my troubles for 90 minutes? Yeah. Did I have a good time watching it? Sure. Am I going to recommend it? Oh, fine. Whatever. Yeah. You're recommending this? I am. There's nothing here so offensive that I can't recommend it. It's one of the better Rocky installments that I've seen so far. Arnie. Arnie. It doesn't hold a candle to one. No, you did not just say that. It's one of the better installments. It's better than four. Oh, but better than two and three. I'm ready to quit now playing. Better than two. I am, wow. Wow. I I've <laughs> You trash Transformers because it can't tell a story, but you're giving this a pass. It told a story. It did. No, it didn't. It attempted to tell one. Not with any logic. Not with any passion. Not with anything. <sighs> I'm just letting let it go. Brock, what what do you think? <laughs> Let's uh, move on. I'm not going one more round. I'm ready to give up. <laughs> My ring's outside. Let's go. He's gonna open a restaurant and go away. I do think. They were trying to tell a better story than they told here. I think they were very unsuccessful in telling a good story here. I think they really tried hard to go back to a lot of the stuff that made the original Rocky so special. And they threw it back into Philadelphia so quickly to try to get us and engender us to where the characters were so long ago. Jacob and I were talking about in the second movie how we like these characters and we like seeing where they're going and seeing how they develop. And so maybe some of the stuff didn't work as well as we wanted it to, but the strength of the characters and our love for these characters is strong enough that we're going to give them a little bit here and there to see where it's going. Well, here they were relying on that maybe too much and it didn't work at all. It felt very choppy. It felt very forced. It felt very cliche. It felt so obvious in every beat they were trying to give. So it's not good storytelling, but to be fair, there is a story here in pieces and parts. The problem is the stories they're telling about Rocky being the trainer and Rocky's relationship with the sons, it's all inferred as opposed to told well. And that's the biggest problem I have with this movie is that for everything they're trying to do, nothing comes together. It just is a big jumble of stuff that seems like it didn't come together like some movies just don't come together. And did not have Rocky fight, I completely agree with both of you that you expect it, but you don't necessarily need it if the story is done well, and this story wasn't done well. So I think the end fight wasn't satisfying for me, but I have to say, I only watched this movie once before because I didn't like it then. I was surprised I didn't hate it more. I actually thought I was going to hate this movie with like this insane passion. But the problem is, a movie without passion like this, (laughs) why should I get passionate about hating it? So I am not recommending this movie. It is not a good movie. And it's certainly a disappointment from the first three movies. And I said before, I think, I think the first three movies kind of work together very well. Of course, the third movie being the weakest of the three in storytelling. But I can't recommend this movie. And I don't want you to watch it. I think you should really skip this chapter in the Rocky story and not miss anything. Well, it, it's not a KO for this film as far as not recommends go, but it's a split decision. So I guess I could accept that. A split decision. Yes. yes. And for me, the film went the distance. And I realized that my opinion is going to be controversial and unpopular because this is one of the most hated films of all time. But I found some stuff in it to enjoy. And I still think that its reputation is a bit unfair to it. It. I agree with everything you said, Brock. I agree with every single statement of your final summation. The difference is 
I just found more enjoyment in it, despite recognizing all of its flaws. And I have been where you are before in these series. By the way, Arnie, you know who agrees with Jacob and I on this? Everybody. Sylvester Stallone. You know what, though? Here's why I think Sylvester Stallone agrees with you. Mm -hmm. It's the popular thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) This movie lost a lot of money. It lost a ton of money. It lost out to Home Alone. If you're going to make the sequel to a film and people didn't like the last one, what is the first thing you're going to do? We see it right now with the upcoming Ghost Rider film. Everybody's like, oh, that last one was terrible. We're distancing ourselves from that last one. So, yeah, if Sylvester Stallone wants people to see Rocky Six, the first thing he's going to say is, yeah, Rocky Five sucked. But I don't think he said that in 1990. I don't know. I'm just saying that's what I read. When I was at Comic-Con last year, I ended up sitting through the Expendables panel waiting for Scott Pilgrim. And he sat there and made fun of this movie a ton. I mean, saying, I, well, I guess we'll talk about Rocky Six, but saying the reason he wanted to do Rocky Six was because he didn't want to end on Rocky Five. But I think that was all publicity. I think it was. Could very well be. I just wanted to make the point that he himself also says he doesn't like this movie. But you guys, you very well may be right. Does Sage not like it? (laughs) Let's give Sage a call. I should have asked him at the con. I hadn't seen this film by then, but I mean, it held my interest. So we will get back in the ring one more time. Now, (laughs) one more round. Between Rocky V and Rocky VI, it are 16 years. So in Rocky years, that's what, 30? Or one. (laughs) (laughs) No, this could be set in 20... 72 who knows maybe it's when the robots have taken over the earth's real steel yeah i was thinking more skynet like that robot at the beginning was the terminator model one pleasure <laughs> model <laughs> well so we're gonna reconvene get back in the ring for one final bout when we come back for rocky balboa in our next podcast well my rings at nowplayingpodcast.com where in this corner we have the men in black trilogy and in the other corner weighing in at the 800 pound gorilla we have the spielberg trilogy of alien films of et closing counters of the third kind and war of the worlds so come on out to the streets and vote for which series you want us to review as our $25 donation series this spring. It's coming up. This is your last week to vote. The winner will be announced in our Nick Fury Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast in two weeks. So vote now at nowplayingpodcast.com. So we'll see you for Rocky Balboa in our next podcast. Talk to you soon. for listening to this episode in the now playing Rocky retrospective series. Why this fighter of limited ability has gained such popularity is such a mystery. Come back to nowplayingpodcast.com each week as we get in the ring and review another Rocky film. When I leave you, you'll not only know how to fight, 
You'll be able to take care of yourself outside the ring. Mickey loves you. And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other films such as Rambo, The Karate Kid, Terminator, Total Recall, X-Men, and many more. It makes a man a better man. We wish to educate your company. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss these films with other listeners. Don't listen to it, Rocky. No, do listen to it, Rocky. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes, and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are at nowplayingpodcast.com. Very American. It's very smart. And remember, after this show, I'm your favorite. What favorite? Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website. NowPlayingPodcast.com Mr. Gazzo says I should get to 200 to break your thumb. You understand? Please. Huh? Please. Give me some money. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. What are you going to do with the money? Well, the first thing I got to do is I got to pay the rent, you know. Now Playing's Rocky Retrospective series is edited by Carlos and Arnie. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll clean it up for you, bully. Now Playing is not affiliated with MGM or United Artists, and no infringement is intended. Seems like lately everybody wants to beat me up. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Inganza Media Incorporated. I pity the fool, and I will destroy any man who tries to take what I got. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2011, all rights reserved. It's over. It's all over. You did me. Your podcast's not outside? Okay, that's where I thought you were going to go. <laughs> We My are... podcast wherever the listeners want to listen. It, you know, it's a <laughs> podcast. You did me. But things are never that easy for Rocky. Returning home, he finds that he's flat broke. Before going to Russia, Polly signed a form with their accountants. Polly thought was a tax extension, but it actually gave Rocky's accountant full power of attorney, and the accountant lost all Rocky's money in a land deal. Arnie, Polly told Rocky, and Rocky signed it. Polly didn't actually sign it. Oh, okay. I didn't understand. So that. yeah, he Polly was told it was a tax form, gave it to Rocky, who signed it, but it was actually a power of attorney. Well, there's one of my notes. Why the f Polly signed away Rocky's power of attorney? <laughs> <There you laughs> go. I, it's, I still got issues with it, but we'll get into it. Okay. The robot signed it actually. <laughs> Where's the robot? No, that's what we'll, we'll, we'll get to it. it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have. Where is the robot? In my I have a note on the robot too. <laughs> But things are never that easy for Rocky. Return. You did me. So Tommy signs with George Washington. So Tommy signed with George Washington Wallace as a promoter. Rocky feels betrayed, and Tommy George fires Washington Wallace. George Washington, George Washington Duke. Yeah. <laughs> Where did Wallace come from? I don't know. It's in my notes. <laughs> wow! Did you watch this, Hardy? Going off those memories of clips from TNT. <laughs> <laughs> you did me. So they move back to Philly, and 
So then, yes. So the whole point of me bringing up the whole Rocky didn't even teach him basic self-defense is, of course, Rocky gets beat up at school. Little Rocky, excuse me. Not, not big Rocky. <laughs> Rocky Jr. Yes. By the teacher, by his French teacher. Uh, so uh, <laughs> She knocks him around with her drugs. <laughs> uh, you did me. Uh, he was dating Nikki Cox, who played his sister on that show for a while. It was anyway well, good for him, but she also dated Bobcat Goldthwait, so her taste is questionable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you did me again. I say his parents hated him. Uh, yes, right there with Imogene Poots <laughs> from Final Destination. No, uh, Fright Night Three. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> man. Wow, it's all coming together from Fright Night Five. Uh, five. Listen to me. Listen to me. I am so out of it. Um, you did me. We'll, we'll wait till Rocky gets a restaurant in the next film. Yeah, okay. I still can't believe he gets a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to get to that one. But here, yeah, I mean. You did me. It's hard to believe these guys would go on to win an Academy Award together because, whoa, this thing stunk up my living room. They didn't win an Academy Award together. Lion King? Lion King was Tim Rice and Elton John. Oh, oh. What Alan Menken do? He Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, Pocahontas. He won a ton of Oscars, but not for the line. Not King together, John. Okay. Yeah. They both went on to win separate Oscars. There you go. <laughs> you did me. My Cavaricci's on. I got my mullet. Totally, man. Sorry, Brock. I've never known you to have hair, so I can't picture you with a mullet at all. That is a fair comment. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Completely fair comment. <laughs> I cannot picture you at all. I picture you with a hat always. A completely fair comment. I, I can't argue with a man. He's right. He has no way of hair. Anyway. You did me. Um, doesn't this like come out on Christmas Day? The movie? No, this podcast. Oh. I'm checking the calendar right now. Does it matter? Well, if so, I'll say, you know. Ho, 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 from your 90 proof Santa. And for all your Jewish <laughs> listeners out there, I'll right take up. the poly route with the Jew. Well, better not do that. Have some Chinese food on us. No, nah, it's the 27th. We're good. Okay. All right. So hope you had a great boxing day yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. For our, by, all our Canadian fans. By the way, all my Jewish friends do go to Chinese food on uh, on Christmas Day. It's really kind of fun. Stuart and I had a tradition for years. He'd come back home, we'd go see a movie and eat Chinese. Just like the other Jews in the neighborhood. (laughs) You did me. So vote now at nowplayingpodcast.com. And if neither one seems worth a donation to you, we want to review what you guys want us to review. You can vote none of the above and we'll have a situation much like we did a decade ago of Gore versus Bush. How the hell does that tie into Hanging Chad? <laughs> Wasn't Bush president when Rocky Five came out? No, yeah. no, that was Clinton. Oh, uh, actually, Bush One was. Was it still Bush yeah, One? It was Bush, Bush One. One was. See, okay, that's not Bush Gore. Okay, so it doesn't tie in. <laughs> <laughs> Already getting political. Oh, I just love to stir up the listeners. Somebody's going to say that was a pro-Gore statement, and somebody else is going to say it's a pro-Bush statement. And I'll say it's an inaccurate statement. Uh, <laughs> it's not inaccurate. <laughs> it just makes no sense. <laughs> it's accurate. It's just confusing. And it wasn't really a decade ago, was it? Or I guess it was the, it was the year 2000. Yeah, it was 2000. It? Yeah, so. You did me.